Hello, lovely podcast people. So today's podcast is maybe a little bit of a lesson in what science can do for us. Ooh, that's not a very catchy title for iTunes and Spotify. Hmm, what shall I listen to today? What science can do for us or... I was going to come up with some wacky podcast title. Behind the scenes of an OnlyFans entrepreneur. You know, which one of those two are you going to pick? Or is the general public going to pick? Anyway, boring. I'll think of a cooler title to lure people in. Anyway, so this this podcast, I don't know, bit of a chat. Really what science can do for us. So the there's a number of different things that have led me to think this. One thing is I get my staff just to grab me a few bits of information for a future podcast on artificial sweeteners because um, I want to do more than one episode on artificial sweeteners because they're just the kind of claims around artificial sweeteners are so wide-ranging even if we just go body composition even downstream of body composition discussions there's like impact on you know do they spike insulin as a subtopic and then completely separate from that do they um, increase appetite because your body thinks you're giving it sugar and then you don't so you get hungrier blah 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 kind of a load of rubbish so long story short this podcast is just to discuss a few things of, of how research can be so helpful for us Here, here's a bit of a i suppose a knowledge bomb slash um spoiler is science doesn't prove anything as such what we're really looking for with you know scientific studies is the probability you know how sure are we that x causes y for instance and we use randomized control trials so we try and control the problem is as a human we um, like okay here's an analogy and it's made me think of if you haven't ever, ever watched it a really funny thing to look on youtube not funny actually cool and it's good for like relationships and stuff and it's something called like it's not about the nail have a look that up i think it's called that but there's this analogy of like someone goes to a doctor and he or she <laughs> presses they press on their face and they're like doctor i think there's something with my face every time i press it it hurts and um also i've got a problem in my shoulder if i press here on my shoulder it hurts and if i and I've got a problem in my hip. If I press on my hip here, it hurts. And the doctor goes, the issue's in your finger. You've broken your finger, that's why it hurts. And as humans, we we are kind of stupid. One, we're emotional and, and often irrational beings. And so there's an issue there. Likewise, one of our kind of biggest strengths is this observation. And I suppose over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, there's been certain things, you know, you eat that plant, you die. Probably don't eat that plant. But it's when we start trying to, I guess, go, what's the why of you die? You know, maybe it wasn't a plant. Maybe the plant was infested by a certain parasite and then there's poison in that parasite. Like, I'm just literally talking absolute rubbish here. But I hope you're understanding that if someone comes up, the reason is that plant's poisonous. But then someone else... What science allows us to do is someone else then eats that and doesn't die. Well, then we need to test. Is that person immune to the poison in that plant? Or we find something else. If the plant growing a different area of the world didn't have those parasites on it and therefore 
etc etc so you understand now i'm questioning myself as well of whether a parasite can live on a plant i'm gonna go with yes <laughs> but some have been biologist or kind of oh, actually anyway a parasite lives on a host and a plant we can't be i don't know i don't know okay that's not the point focus on the point but you, you get the point. So often when we go to the why, why is that an issue? So we, as humans, we observe things and then we draw these conclusions. We can be very reductionist. We just reduce it to the most simple thing. Carbs cause obesity. Carbs make you fat. When I eat lots of carbs, I get fat. Because you don't understand the concept of energy balance and fat balance and calories, etc. <coughs> so reductionist means we reduce it down to the simplest form, which people try to do. Zealots try to do. People who try to sell you books or supplements, they do this. People who want to be famous and go, it's because of the glutens, it's because of the, the insulins, the insulin fairies doing it. it. You know, buy my book, buy my insulin correcting program. You know, whereas really th often things are multifactorial, they're multifaceted. There's a huge number of different factors that, for instance, promote disease in humans, you know, disease of obesity, for instance. And so, but but science is amazing in that it's, it can be so life-giving in many, many ways. For instance, um, in my exercise podcast, which you was one or two or three or four podcasts ago, very specific there, you're welcome. I kind of talked a little bit about weight stigma, a little bit, a, a little bit about the idea that exercise can be downplayed, the importance of it when it's like, you, you know, don't bother doing exercise, it's... Um, it doesn't burn very many calories. It's loads easier to, you know, to just cut calories. But you can flip that statement on its head and go, cutting calories is hard and you get hungry. And without cutting calories and simply doing exercise, even if you don't lose weight or, in fact, I've just, or doing exercise, which burns approximately 200 calories and then feeding approximately 200 calories. And you get health benefits from that scenario it kind of reminds me of the g-flux concept that uh, john berardi used to talk about one or two decades ago uh, which was different but anyway i was just saying it popped into my head it was quite a cool concept it was more about like basically training as much as you can in your you know that fits your lifestyle and then eating up to that to fuel that and then maybe adjusting from there in terms of body composition but anyway point being is doing so doing more exercise doing more physical activity <coughs> doing resistance training is really really helpful and the point i wanted to make there is you know doing resistance training for instance can improve it reduces what's called hyperleptinemia and increases our insulin sensitivity which then improves appetite signaling and we might just naturally eat less and end up losing body fat without having to consciously cut calories which leads us to be hungry which you know there's other issues involved there it's not completely an inert behavior actively cutting calories so science kind of really informs us of some of some cool stuff so one of those things is we, we still don't fully understand you know, there's in this interesting like fat and fit and thin and unfit and thin and fit and what's the total mortality, you know, all-cause mortality between these groups. And it basically shows you can be, you know, as classed by BMI, which is obviously there are big issues with that, but overweight or obese or whatever. And, but if you are fit, 
then you are likely in a much, you know, cardiovascular-wise, you are fit, you're in a much better position with regards to dying of all causes than someone who's, you know, classified BMI as normal or healthy or desirable, but you are unfit, which is one of the reasons I've taken up jogging. People look at me and go, you're healthy, you know. I'm not, you know, at the same time, my blood markers do come back as very healthy. So I'm doing something right somewhere, if that is nothing more than just simply my grandmother's genetics. She seems to be immortal. But I, I want to still do more. You know, someone like, I don't hit 2,000 steps a day. I don't get enough sunlight or, you know, go outside enough. Um, so anyway... The point being is research kind of is showing us that and it's cool and it's, we don't have all of the answers but it's fantastic to know do you know what even if I'm really struggling with my weight for because I'm all for people wanting to lose weight for aesthetic reasons like all power to you if you want to do that not because someone else wants you to not because society is forcing you to like society isn't forcing me to want to be jacked like and I don't not love myself now, but I would love to be super mega jacked. I said to a friend the other day, there's this famous video of a, a professional bodybuilder from, I guess, the 80s, 90s era called Kevin Lavrone. Loads of you will know who he is. But he there's this famous video of him and he like bows on the stage and kind of shakes his, his arms and his delts and his traps and his arms. He's just frigging massive and cool, but not... Now, there's another guy, Marcus Rule, like he's just kind of not as prettily put together. Uh, he's just a monster. But Kevin Lavrone, not my favorite bodybuilder. My ideal physique is, t type into Google, Flex Wheeler 1993. That's my ideal physique. I know, it's unrealistic. Let's not go there. It's not because I don't love myself. I've always been obsessed with muscles since I was a little, tiny kid. And I know it's never going to happen. Fine. I'm all for people going, I want to try and change myself in this certain way. I'm all for people not aging gracefully if they don't want to. You know, if you want to do all of the modern age techniques to change your appearance, as long as it doesn't become obsessive, you know, to the detriment of you and your social life and your finances, great. Anyway, my point being is, isn't it great that if you can't or don't want to particularly lose weight we science is telling us that you can be healthy if you simply do healthy behaviors which is getting plenty of steps and exercise and potentially exercising not just going for walks actually physically training your cardiovascular system with some level of endurance type exercise cardiovascular type exercise that is intense okay and obviously you can do high intensity interval training and that can also improve your vo2 max blah 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 all of my sports science days yes we won't go there um but it's cool like this is why science is fantastic because lots of these lies and myths and stuff like you can't be healthy if you eat late at night wrong we know that's not true you will put on fat if you eat after 6 p.m or late at night wrong you will put on fat if you eat carbs before bed the carbs will turn to fat wrong that one of the fantastic things about science is that we can prove that stuff isn't the case that we can categorically prove like when people go to me can you gain muscle and lose fat at the same time yes yes you can well how can you because we have literally shown that it can happen is it optimal? Probably not. But we know it can happen. Does it happen literally 
on a second by second, minute by minute basis within the body? Potentially. It's hard to say why it wouldn't, but again, could you gain some muscle one day and lose fat the next and gain it the next day if, if it's like a daily thing, 24-hour circadian thing? Like it isn't, I'm fairly sure it's not. But at, we know specifically over a period of four weeks, you can be lower in body fat in total absolute fat mass on your body and you can have more muscle mass. And, you know, even if people go, oh, well, that's just newbie gains and that's just people who are coming back from injury and that's just people who use loads of steroids. It's like, cool, but you asked if it was possible and I said yes. And those distinct groups have shown it is possible. Is it optimal? If you would ask me, is it optimal or can anyone do it or blah, blah, then it would be a different answer. You know, when people say, insulin, you know, uh, if you release a lot of insulin, you won't be able to lose fat. We know that's categorically not true now. The studies have been done. I'm about to do a post um, on this this week, probably when this podcast goes comes out, it's like a week or two ago. But you can go back and look at it. The front page is going to be the grey colour quote thing and it's going to say something like, individuals chose to eat fewer calories in a high carbohydrate, high insulin releasing diet group. And then there'll be some pie charts and some bar graphs. But we know that insulin, we know that carbohydrates not making people fat. We know that <coughs> artificial sweeteners, like I, th this is another area, like I, there's no benefit to me. Like James Krieger, if any of you know him, like great guy, we've had him speak for us, like just such a cool guy. Um, he did a post, I didn't I didn't see the post, but about dairy and someone just said to him, you know, you're a shill for big dairy, you're being paid by big dairy. And like people comment stuff like that on my posts sometimes, just, you know, well, you've just been paid off by food industry to say stuff. I'm like, no, like I, I wish that food, you know, I, I got paid a lot of money 10 or so years ago by Faye, Total Greek Yogurt, to be a brand ambassador for them. Um, I did some, you know, educational material for them, videos for them. And it was like, what, like, it was like 50% of my salary at the time on top of my current salary for like 13 days work or something a year. It was, in, it was insane. It was like, whoa, this is so cool. And I, I was an absolute pain to them because they wanted me to say certain things because their low-fat yogurt, you know, 0% total Greek yogurt is the best tasting, highest protein yogurt out there regardless. I don't quite know how they do it. It's, it's the Greek straining process, the, the specific straining process they use and the, it'll be their machines or their, it's their biggest seller. And like, but they essentially obviously would have liked me to push the agenda of we should all be eating 0%, that's better for us. And I wouldn't because it's not true. You don't have to do that. But I was able to still be truthful. But there are people out there who I was offered a really big contract with them, um, or I was in talks about a really big, like it would have been a, probably double what Greek yogurt paid me for corn. And but they obviously really, really, really push the kind of anti-meat agenda, which I'm not against people being vegetarian. And, and they also really push the like low fat and fat is bad for you. And this is, you know, automatically healthier type scenario. So again, you know, it just be I became too much of a pain for them. 
and uh, they it was much easier for them to just get someone who's willing to just sort of sell out or didn't have the same you know understanding of what that messaging really was doing so anyway you know he, james krieger had this thing you know you're being paid by by big dairy to uh to kind of talk about the benefits of dairy or whatever and he's obviously not and in the same way i don't have any benefit for telling you i don't want you to consume more artificial sweeteners at all i genuinely don't like i like my children not to have too many artificial sweeteners because as children there is i've, I've spoken about this before there, there is this issue of and if there's any parents out there listening to this it's just a consideration for you. Like I, I often talk to people who are, you know, fussy eating children and fussy eaters and whatever. And, you know, I see them, I see children drinking, you know, squashes, you know, rather than water. And, but really, really, really sh made really strong. Like if you ever go to a kid's party and they've made the squashing like, oh, bleh, like I feel like I'm drinking, drinking like liquid jelly. It's so unbelievably thick with cordial or diluting juice or wherever you are in the world whatever you call it if your kid is drinking that and then you're like hey come here and eat some broccoli your bro your kid's like are you having a laugh like do you think i'm stupid why would i choose to eat that when this liquid you know gold is here i'm just gonna have that and so you know very much not you know considering the ordering of like if they sit down at the meal and then they take a sip of that and you know, you're, the sweet receptors in your mouth are tasting that and then you're giving them broccoli or, you know, or whatever, any other food. So I, I don't want to promote the consumption of it. I don't benefit from doing so. But at the same time, I also want just want to be, one, truthful, two, life-giving, allow people to make informed choices. So when we know that artificial sweeteners aren't causing cancer and they're not causing your body to release loads of insulin, et cetera, et cetera, uh, aren't promoting obesity and, and are, you know, help, uh, you know, a useful addition to a calorie reduced diet for fat loss, you know, these things have been studied. You know, people, I like to give that information rather than just scaremongering by, all, you know, which is all, all of the gimps and people who have supplements and books and, and rubbish like that to sell. So this is the usefulness of research, is that we at least know what we potentially don't need to focus on. And it gives us some great ideas, even if it doesn't give us strong, absolute conclusions that are specific to us and our DNA and us as individuals and our lifestyles, we can at least go, do you know what? Seemingly, I don't need to worry about X, Y, Z. I don't need to be scaremongered about insulin or artificial sweeteners or, you know, whatever the trend is at the time. You know, pe people making stuff up, you know, if you eat this fast food, it's gonna put all of your hormones out of whack. Like we have the studies where you literally the hormonal responses to a, you know, organic turkey or organic beef or a fast food burger from a well-known chain that for legal reasons won't be mentioned. The study's been done. That study's out there. I'll put it in the show notes if you want it. Whoever's time pointing this for me, please find that study. Or ask me and I'll give you the link. So there was one more thing I was going to say. Yeah, it's just other stuff. Like, again, I'm not, I don't want to promote sugar consumption, like, or, or like added sugars or like ultra refined food products, you know, and sweets. Like, I love sweets myself. I make the informed choice to eat sweets. 
but knowingly I'm not being misled. Like again, we have the studies with very, very, very high sugar, you know, not a healthy diet. 167 whatever it is grams of sugar a day in a, a 1100 calorie diet or maybe deficit i believe it was a diet and people losing as much fat as some a, a group that's consumer i don't know 56 57 grams of sugar a day it doesn't impact the energy balance equation just because you're having more sugar and sugar's toxic and there's some gimp functional dentist who's doing the rounds I, I got sent his post a few times you know fruit it's so bad for you if you eat three pieces of fruit I read it as peaches when I first got sent it three pieces of fruit your body will reject it and evacuate it from the body and it will cause you know the same cascade of events as alcoholics get like sh if and I'm just going to do this. If you're being misled by somebody who's a functional dentist and you're listening to about nutrition, you deserve to be misled. And then I thought, you know what? That's not a very compassionate attitude. But just, you know, as me, you know, I'm just, I'm just a child. I'm just an imperfect human being, the same as everyone else. I'm still winging life. You know, people are like, oh, you're a parent. You're an adult now. It's like, no, I'm not. Just the, the irrational mean me. I'm just like, you deserve to be confused if you're so stupid that you listen to someone who's a functional dentist talking to you about nutrition but then I'm like you know what people don't necessarily know better so I'll try not to take that approach but it's just madness like he's a gimp okay that's that's the my kind bit okay he's a gimp um, I understand why you know he's got a blue tick and a big following and he used some sciencey words so please don't listen to him because he's a gimp there we go <laughs> What was that? Oh, yeah. It was like, me, be kind. You don't know what someone else is going through. Also me. He's a gimp. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And the one I actually read was like, nice turn signal face. <laughs> Isn't it good how I like bleep myself? Maybe I'll get Lucy to add in a bleep so I don't just have to mouth it. Anyway, this has been a fun episode on a Saturday afternoon. I just was doing a bit of work and thought this would be a, it just popped into my head. I'll get it done. Cool. Hope you enjoyed it. Go leave a review on iTunes, please. Please, come on. Is I think there's only like, I, don't, I haven't actually looked at the total numbers, but like 500 or so. Like, I should have a thousand reviews. They had tens of thousands of listeners. Come on, please, please, please. Just go and review it. Just, it takes, I mean, that's the other issue is loads of you listening to it on Spotify uh, and you can't review it, but you must have an Apple ID. At some point in the last 10 years, you had an Apple ID. Just please. I spent my Saturday recording this for you. Paid people to time point it for you. Paid people to edit it. Paid people to upload on. Please just go leave a review. Thanks. Have, have a nice day. <laughs> you know who I reminded myself of then? That guy, the train guy. What's his name? Can't remember. Have a nice day. Right. Love you. Uh, much love. Yeah, whatever I normally say. Until next time.